Of course, last night, a lot of people caught the Republican debate minus Trump uh, that was going down. Michael Broadcorp is a, a political pundit covering politics a lot from the Republican side of things. Of course, he's got MichaelBroadcorp.com as well as also his uh, podcast, The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, which they did a live uh, analysis of the event last night. He's kind enough today to take some time to talk about the debate as well as some other things with the Republican Party. Hey, Michael. Matt, how, how are you? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Everything going okay? It's great. You know, one thing I realized is I'm not as young as I used to be. I was up late last night <laughs> doing a live stream, getting audio out, and boy, am I tired today. It sounds like a joke, but I there's no punchline. I'm just tired. <laughs> no, it's the same way. It's like 9.30. Wow, I need to get to bed. You know, <laughs> I'm with you 100% at this point. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a late night, way past my bedtime. Okay, well, you you watch this debate. I mean, once again, it was it was a lot of Republicans running who are not named Trump, who is clearly, you know, even though he wasn't there, his presence was felt there. What was your overall take of the debate as you saw it? Uh, my take, a couple of things. Process-wise, far too many candidates on stage. I think it was a distraction. Yeah. I think the RNC should have had a higher standard, Matt. I know that they want to show uh, enthusiasm, and it, but the reality is they want to show enthusiasm and diversity, talk about all the great candidates that are running. But there were too many candidates on stage. It was difficult to follow the debate. It was tip, difficult to get a substantive uh, exchange and grab the attention of people. That being said, uh, I think uh, the, who really – we'll talk about the tough night first. I think Ron DeSantis had a tough night. I really – I'm really struggling to figure out – what I don't know what reboot we're on, and you know you follow politics uh, as closely as I do, Democrat more than a Republican. There's a rich history inside these presidential races of candidates rebooting themselves. Probably one of the most famous in the last thirty plus years is Bill Clinton. Yeah, when he ran, he he had to reboot his campaign when he was running for president in '92 the first time, and you know it was a big victory in New Hampshire where he was able to come back finishing in, I think he came like second or third place, and that was a big win. Ron DeSantis is in reboot like two or three, if not more than that, and it's just not working. And I don't think last night worked for him uh, at all. I, I just don't think his personality, his style, translates outside of outside of Florida. Well, and, and I just and, don't think and, he's a nationwide ticket. Well, and you, you, you bring up a great point. This was his chance to come on here and kind of correct course. How was he so ill-prepared for this? I mean, that one point where, you know, he's looking around to see what everyone else, if they raise their hand and he meekly raises his hand, I'm like, you know, dude, man, you need to be much more assertive out here. And he just, it once again, just looked like he was incredibly ill-prepared. He also doesn't look like he's having a fun time. No. And one of the things I think is important is for people, I think, you know, running for president, uh, I've never run before, Matt. I don't know if you have either. No. But running for president is, I would ha is by all accounts, an exhausting job, oh, exhausting yeah. uh, advocacy and, and a, a role to fill. And Ron DeSantis never looks like he's having any fun. And I know we have serious issues. This is a difficult political time climate, but there's no humor, wit, or anything that's 
ultimately likable, I think, to Ron DeSantis that I'm like, I think he could be a, a good that, – that I can relate to on a personal level. He has a on the from the center right side, he's got a great record to Republicans in Florida. But the reality is that what he has accomplished in Florida, I don't think is a sellable message in any blue or purple state. And so I think Ron DeSantis is, you know, a really good presidential candidate for the state of Florida, but not nationwide. And I think he had a bad night. On the who I think had a good night was Nikki Haley. And, and I think she showed grit. I think she showed passion. She showed uh, that she was, you know, strong, um, uh, you know, just a good, she was verbally a really good, you know, street fighter. Um, I think she, out of any of the candidates on the stage, the, the one that I think showed the most strength and passion and will, willingness to get in the corner and fight, was Nikki Haley. And I should say for the interest of disclosure, I, I don't do any volunteer paid work or anything for any of the campaigns. So I'm totally, a, 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 my, my analysis isn't bought and paid for. Well, um, and, and, and I'm on the other side of the aisle. I agree with you because she did something. I noticed her doing something which we haven't seen probably since, you know, 20, uh, you know, the, on the Republican side, maybe since t- uh, 2008, maybe even before then which was she embraced the fiscal conservative, which seems to have gotten escaped. And her calling out and saying, you know, hey, Trump raised the budget deficit by $8 trillion here. You can't just basically ignore that. If we really want to be fiscally conservative, you need to realize where the mistakes are being made. And it was like, oh, my God, that was like a Reagan era, Reagan era fiscal conservative. And that that message resonated back in the 80s with a lot of people. And it, it because it sounded so you know refreshing since it hasn't been evoked, I thought that that was a good message. The pragmatic nature of her argument was was something that was relatively refreshing. Correct. And I also think that there are there was some re- there was some interesting dynamics between the candidates. I used to play hockey, so I like to use the phrase like getting in the corner, kind of mixing it up a little bit. She got in the corners last night. She was she was very willing to throw some elbows, fight for the puck, uh, and really engage and spar with some people. Who I also think had a really tough night was Mike Pence. Uh, oh, yeah. I think he's attempting to appeal to evangelicals. I think what Mike Pence was looking for last – I think – in the as we go through history years from now, I think Mike Pence will be recognized and appreciated for what he did on January sixth and in that that time frame to stop Donald Trump from enacting more trauma to the United States government. I think what Mike Pence wants is he wants like a a, a pat on the back. He wants a sense of appreciation from people. And so once you kind of, he's on stage and you give him, uh, you know, the proper respect and acknowledgement that he deserves for what he did, I don't know that his campaign has much relevancy outside of that. What I think he's going to do, he's obviously passionate about issues that are important to him. I just think he is, there's no lane for him. Um, And I think that, that I think his window, once you get past the Mike Pence, what he did on January 6th, 
uh, in that time frame. I don't know if there's much else there. Well, and also, and I just think that. Well, I was going to say, and also, there's a lot of people within the Republican Party that don't like him for what he did on January 6th. That they felt that. So you know that it's it's a hard sell. I mean, I think it's a. I will say this about Pence. If he does become the nominee, that's actually a sell that's going to resonate with, I think, a lot of independents and Democrats, even that, you know, I was the goalkeeper that prevented this from going any further. Uh, but at the same time, I just I think you're right. It it It's that evangelical appeal that he's trying to do to win the Republican nomination is just not going to get him there. No, it's not. Who else I thought had a good night because I like what he says is Chris Christie. The problem is, is that Chris Christie has not gotten out of the lane of just the anti-Trump guy. As I've disclosed to your listeners before, and I've disclosed multiple times, I, didn't, I wasn't a Trump person in 16. I wasn't a Trump person in 20. So I believe that Chris Christie, what his message is about, you know, saying, look, is the best that we can do, someone who's, you know, been, is, who's out on bail for three criminal cases, going to be a fourth year later on today? I resonate with that message because I think that Chris Christie is delivering the kind of the kind of share moonstruck slap on the side of the head, snap out of it type speech that I think Republicans need to hear. But Christie hasn't shown, I think, an ability to get past that point. Um, but there were some other candidates. You know, as you noted, I did a live stream. Um, my post and I bet you shared it a live stream afterwards. Someone mentioned in our live stream mentioned Tim Scott. I had completely forgotten he was on stage. Um, and so yeah. there were just far too many candidates on stage to begin with. And ultimately, Matt, as was, the, as it was, the question was framed up last night. The elephant in the room was the elephant not in the room was Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I believe, I believe as the sun will set tonight and rise tomorrow that Donald Trump is the front runner for the Republican nomination. There is nothing to make me think. As of today, he is not going to be the nominee. And mm-hmm. so a little of this this debate last night was kind of like uh, getting uh, watching, uh, you know, a bunch of preseason NFL games. It, it just, you know, it's fun to see the, the, the motions, and it, but it's not the real thing. Mm-hmm. And so that was my perspective on the debate. It was Trump cast a very big shadow over it, but ultimately – who I think is going to be the nominee of the Republican Party, I don't believe they were on stage last night. The when, Okay, so and you brought up Tim Scott. Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, and Borgum, they basically were irrelevant. Chris Christie, I want to get back to one quick question about him. I think he knows he's got no chance at the Republican nomination, but I think that he has no problem setting himself up for 2028 by basically saying, I'm the guy that's been against this guy. And I, I think that you know, even though he's probably not going to resonate and he's not going to show up in the top three in any of these these states that come up, you know, beginning of next year, I think he's going to be in this for a while because I feel as if he he's got a personal axe to grind, and also he feels as if he's kind of on a mission. And I think that we are not done listening to Chris Christie involved in this whole thing at all. You make a fantastic point. Fantastic. Here's the here's here's the, the concern I have. I hope you're right. Here's the concern I have. If Donald Trump isn't, let, let's say in some circumstance that Donald Trump is not the nominee. Let's say that my analysis is wrong. Trump is not the nominee. Trump people are not leaving the party. And so if where do those people go? And I think 
that unless something substantive happens, there is, we have what is being established right now inside the party is a Trump lane. Mm -hmm. Very similar to what occurred after Reagan left in 88. You know, it was occupying that Reagan lane, that kind of moral conservative lane that existed. And, you know, that, that baton was then passed to, to, you know, George Herbert Walker Bush. And then eventually then it went to, you know, his son. They're that kind of Bush kind of chaining lane. I think we have, there, as I've been providing analysis on this, there is a MAGA lane. And, and that lane is the best highway to the nomination right now. And that's why I think Trump, and he's leading that car right now, and that procession is on its way to Georgia to get, to get, potentially get a booking photo later today. Yes. But he's leading that race. And the, and what you also saw last night, Matt, was the number of candidates trying to get into that lane. And, and they don't want to, they want to be, that's the way you have Vivek, some of these other candidates that are desperately trying to be in the lane. Because if Trump is not, if Trump is, that's the path to the nomination. And so there's only, there's only a couple, Incredible lanes to get to the nomination. The absolute strongest, shortest lane is the Donald Trump MAGA lane. Yeah. So even if Trump isn't the nominee, those candidates are still going to go through that. And that's why you see candidates still, even last night, being unwilling to um, not be as critical and as thoughtful as they should be about stuff. Um, One point about Nikki Haley that I was disappointed with. It was when she raised her hand and said that she would support Donald Trump as the nominee, even if he was convicted. That was disappointing to see. Well, it was, and, and and I'll say this about Nikki Haley it was it was very disappointing to see that. I also though did I did enjoy her taking down a Vivek Ramaswamy on Ukraine and just sort of saying, "Wait a second here, you're going to side with that guy over a country that loves the United States? Come on, this is not rocket science." You know, she she at one point she really showed her. You know, when she was a, the secretary of the U.N., her international cred, which is a real strength for her in any race. But then, yeah, it's just and, and I mean, the, really, the only one I mean, Asa Hutchinson eventually came up and said, yeah, I'd vote for him. It was only Christie sort of implied he probably wouldn't uh, if that was the case. And, yeah, that was kind of a, a bellwether moment there is that, that that this is party is still controlled by Trump. Matt, I've never wanted to see a presidential candidate lunch money stolen faster than I wanted to see Vivek last night. Uh, he <laughs> just was a really frustrating candidate. And, and, and uh, it just was really, and, and I think he was getting under the other candidate's skin. And look, politics, you know, is about addition. Successful politics is about addition, not subtraction. And I'm, and I don't know how Vivek um, came out of that debate last night winning over any of the people on the stage and maybe that and clearly that's not his agenda uh but i think a lot of his support is online there's a and as someone articulated last night in our live stream said he is trying to out trump trump and there's only one person who can trump who can who can be trump and that's donald trump and they in essence called him a poor man donald trump and i you can see that persona but I was very turned off by him. I have a difficult time thinking that he has much appeal. I think he's auditioning to be Trump light, and he just really rubbed me the wrong way. Well, okay, so I want to because here's the the impression I got of Vivek Ramaswamy, 
Because there's a lot of people that say, well, he did great last night. You and I have a different perspective, though, because we just went through this last election cycle. Scott Jensen, what did he do? He was a, a relative moderate senator. I mean, he was he brought up the diabetes bill, uh, the you know, the, the insulin bill. That was his baby that was initially got voted down. He goes out when he decides to run, does every anti-vaxxer, QAnon, far-right MAGA. He really dives into this side to basically – because he knows the way – the path to the nomination goes through that. He goes there, and then what did we see? He had a nightmare situation trying to walk all these statements back because you're not going to win a statewide race by you know appealing to the far right of the Republican Party. Vivek Ramaswamy, he, show, he has his supporters start last night with that – you know, you know, Minuteman march of the colonists march in towards the, the the arena like this. He's trying to appeal to definitely to 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 white culture in in, in that and and the, some of these Republican values. He out maggot Trump at some point there. And the first thing I said to myself is Vivek Ramaswamy is the Scott Jensen of this on this stage right now because he's trying to get there. But good luck when you try to walk all this stuff back when you get to the general because that's the poison pill. You can go out into that Trump lane as you described. And be all the MAGA you want to be, but MAGA only gets you about 30% of the population. You got to get the other 70 or at least another 20% of the population on board if you're going to have a chance. You're, you're, you are spot on with your analysis, spot on with your analysis. Uh, we saw this week uh, some comments about 9-11 come out uh, about him and, and, and some of his statements he's made. Uh, you know, these Republican candidates. Uh, all politics is local, Matt, as Tip O'Neill famously said. Yep. And whether it's whether you're a candidate running for president, uh, whether you're a candidate running for local office, Republican candidates and Democratic candidates, but 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 as, speaking as a Republican, Republicans have to learn to keep their rhetoric out of the ditch. And Vivek has been tripped up by that. And uh, Chris Christie, I think, had one of the lines of the night. Calling him the Chat GPI Jet Chat, uh, in essence, the AI candidate. Yeah, uh, he was speaking the AI talking points, and I think that um, I just don't see. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of depth there, and you know, I'm I'm going to be 50 this year. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't practice ageism um, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm I believe. Uh, that there should, you know, I'm kind of frustrated. I've been all, all public about this saying I wish there were candidates from a little bit of a different generation that were running right now. I would love to see the baton passed off to a younger generation this next cycle. But that being said, Vivek's age is not disqualifying. His positions and how he comes across are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't think he has, a, he is an appealable candidate. And he would have been someone that I think, you know, that there wasn't much of a benefit to him being on the stage. But we'll see. I don't think, I don't know that there were, and I'd be curious to get your take. You're the interviewer, not me, but I would be curious to get your take. If anyone's campaign ended last night, I don't think anybody's did, but I'd like to get your take on that if you don't mind. Tim Scott. I think, I mean, it was it yep. was an opportunity for him to come on out and shine. And you're right. Where was he? He's on the stage. He, I don't remember. There is not a single quote from Tim Scott in any news coverage of this thing. Right wing, left wing, center of the road. No one even noticed the guy on the stage. I think he's done. I, I, I think Asa Hutchinson, you know, you know just you, he was not he was going to have a hard time getting traction as it was. 
But I, I honestly think I came back with that. I don't think it's done today. I don't think it's done in a week. I just do not see Ron DeSantis making it to Iowa. I just do not see him there. He just looks so bad. And every time we look at him now, he looks he just looks uncomfortable. He doesn't look happy. Yes. He looks out of yes. he looks out of his own skin for goodness sakes. And he's trying desperately to 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 do something which I just don't think he can. It does bring up an interesting point, and I don't know if you and I have discussed this. I talked this with other political pundits before. He's from Florida, and the first question I asked is, can actually anyone from Florida, Democrat or Republican, ever win a nationwide election? And that is a that is a tough sell. And he he went up to Iowa. I know a guy that down there that was the moderator for that Iowa the get together they had, and he said that he comes up there and he starts talking about all the great things they're doing in Florida, and he says people. He, he said. DeSantis does not understand that people in Iowa do not give a rat's caboose about Florida. As a matter of fact, that's not a selling point. And and I just don't know if a guy from Florida could win a national election. And I think that that's also working against DeSantis. I would agree with you. I, I just I, I think if that's important, I think that's key. I just don't think that DeSantis is likable. And again, I don't think we're being petty. Mm-mm. I don't think we're being personal. I just don't think he's having fun. There's no, there's just a, you know, there's, there's, he's just an awkward individual. Um, he's just awkward and he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't, that doesn't mean that he hasn't accomplished, that he hasn't had a successful personal life, political career, all those things. I just don't think he looks comfortable on the presidential stage. And the reality is that, as you and I know, that there are a lot of people uh, not to bring, I'll bring up Bill Clinton's name again. Bill Clinton had a blast on the campaign trail, and he brought a lot of fun and energy and enthusiasm to the campaign trail. We haven't. I mean, Clinton, Bill Clinton brought Fleetwood Mac back, mm-hmm. um, and so Ron DeSantis just doesn't seem like he's having fun. And so I understand that these are serious times, but I do think that people want to feel a personal connection to the candidate, and I certainly. Uh, didn't see that last night from Ron DeSantis. And, and my final point will be about the debate on this particular subject is what what there ultimately needs to be is a clear number two. And I think coming into the debate, it had DeSantis had largely been the main foil of Trump. And I think last night it's pretty clear that I don't think Ron DeSantis has longevity to stay the prominent number two. And the question is, who is going to be that new number two? But let me be clear. There's a lot of distance between number one Trump and whoever is number two. That number two is a distant second. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeSantis is a less insecure Jeb Bush. And, and, and that's the best way. Jeb Bush couldn't get out of his own way either. And, and, and I so, wish you had said that off the air because I would steal that and take credit for it. But you said it on air. <laughs> now I have to give you credit for it. No, That's you, a great line. I will tell you what. It's a less insecure, insecure Jeb Bush, but I'm going to tell you what. You can take it all day long. I don't care. Just get you because I agree with you. You're, you're a friend, man. I agree with you and I actually I can get along. That. So it's all yours. By the way, one last quick thing for you. You mentioned Tip O'Neill. I'm at my mom's house down in South Carolina. I'm walking through and I see a picture. I said, sweet Jesus, that's my mom with Tip O'Neill. So when did you meet oh Tip? O- so when did you meet Tip O'Neill? My mom and my dad, when we lived in Rhode Island, were up in Boston visiting with some friends, and Tip O'Neill was in the restaurant. And Tip O'Neill, they said, "Can we get a picture?" And here's Tip, just pure Tip, laughing, smiling, looks like he's half in the bag already. 
And my mom said, yeah, he kept trying to pick me up. And I said, there you go. That's a great story. <laughs> the Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House. But, yeah, that was Tip. I, I, they, they, my mom met Tip O'Neill, and that is and, – and, and tried to get picked up by Tip O'Neill. So there you go. That's something to be proud of. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Michael Broadcorp. Okay, com. You can find all of his information there. Of course, the book The Girls Are Gone. You can find that is where, there as well. And make sure you go and follow The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky. They talk to a lot about uh, politics, especially from the Republican side. You'll get a good insight. And you know what? You can't make informed decisions without good insight, so make sure you're listening to his podcast as well. Michael, as always, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you, my friend. All the best to you. Be well. Take care.